Welcome to the Swim Run Watch podcast with your host, Andreas Ripperfjord. How we've all been waiting for this year's Ötela World Championships. Me and my partner will reveal how we are preparing for the World Championships. Training, gear, strategies. Let's all get psyched up for this year's big race. Welcome. Me and my partner Thomas Granberg have uh, both done this event three times before, two times in the constellation of me and Thomas, and once with other partners. In 2018, our first time together, we ended up in 20th place in men's and 27th scratch, with a time of 8.57 and some spare change. That was probably not our best effort, but it was our fastest time. Since the year after, we ended up in 16th place, men's and 20th scratch. With a 9.08, that was probably our best effort, even though conditions were slightly worse. In contrast to most other teams ahead of us, we don't have a background in elite performance. It is common among the top guys and girls to have an elite level background in swimming, triathlon, multi-sport, adventure racing or running, or something like that. So if you want to know how a pair of ordinary guys could break into the top 20 of the World Championships, follow along and have a listen. This year we will be sponsored by two sponsors. The first one, Saveland, Sweden's oldest active peer-to-peer lending platform where you can place your cash to earn yield. Saveland, usually underselling and over-delivering, target a return of 79% annually. However, the current rate is at 10.8%. You may invest automatically or choose your own types of credits and their allocations from consumer credits, housing credits, factoring, business loans, etc. So if you have money sitting in a checking account with close to zero interest, remember money shouldn't sleep and go directly to saveland.se. This service is only available for Swedish customers, but they are currently expanding to other countries. Short disclaimer, I myself have money invested on the platform, I own stock and I used to work for the company of Saveland Group. Also, this is not financial advice. Our other sponsor is TG Swimrun. Welcome Thomas. Yeah, thank you so much. We're once again in, uh, in my home in Elvsjö, outside of Stockholm. Yeah. And our second sponsor is uh, TG Swimrun, Thomas. Yeah, exactly. Uh, TG Swimrun is a swimming, running and a swimrun training and a coaching company. Uh, it is uh, driven and founded by me, Thomas Granberg. Uh, and uh, the focus on the company is uh, like a small and personal company. Uh, coaching and training activity uh, I'm not uh, super big uh, for how many years did you run this uh, company uh, yeah I've been running for it uh, around three years now yeah yeah cool yeah three years of coaching athletes yeah that's a swim run success <laughs> yeah it's, it's really fun actually to see the customers uh, developing from uh, from like uh, zero to uh, well 
upwards on, on the scale. Yeah. Yeah. And you're also, you have, uh, you work together with other coaches, don't you? Can yeah. you mention some of your cooperations? Yeah, yeah I, I, I do see myself as an entrepreneur also in, in that uh, coaching business. So, so I work with, uh, together with uh, uh, Envol Coaching. Uh, Envol that is really big in the swim run area. Uh, and also with the uh, team uh, Snabbare, uh, that also has focus on uh, swim run and triathlon, yeah, mostly. And uh, of course, open water swimming. Almost forgot that. Yeah. Team Snabbare is uh, Swedish, and that means team faster. Yeah, team faster. <laughs> yeah, with uh, yeah. well, maybe I could uh, mention the names uh, behind the, those companies also. And Vol is uh, Nicolas uh, Ramirez. Uh, and uh, Team Snabbare uh, is with uh, Paul Török and uh, Ulf Hausman. They're all successful coaches. So I've, I think you've found good cooperations there. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, they are. Okay, so the focus of uh, this episode of the podcast is going to be the World Championships, which are due in about two and a half weeks from recording. Uh, let's talk about a little bit about our preparation, preparations for the World Championships in, in regards to training. Thomas and I, we, have, uh, we lead separate lives, of course. Uh, we have uh, different realities to take into respect and our families and so on. So we have kind of our own training schedules, although we also train some together. But uh, Thomas, how have you been thinking about your own training before... The World Championships. Uh, yeah, uh, I have been uh, thinking uh, really much uh, about uh, consistency uh, in, in my training. Uh, and also uh, to uh, have those uh, long sessions. Uh, those are the two uh, main uh, focuses that I, that I have. Did you have uh, like two less of long sessions? Like the the last half year or something, or what? What what's your opinion? Uh, you mean about my focus, right? About, about yeah, because my... you're focusing on it now. Is it that you had two two less of long sessions? Uh, well, no, I, I don't think. Uh, well, uh, if I'm gonna be honest, I think you can't have too 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 many long uh, <laughs> sessions uh, before this uh, huge race. It's like you you're competing for. The fastest teams are right below eight hours, and uh, the middle pack maybe is uh, eleven hours, and, and the mm-hmm. slowest ones are thirteen hours. And yeah, it's so long, so you can't have enough with those long sessions, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, well, hey, are we talking about long sessions swimming or running or? Yeah, uh, well, the, the combination. Yeah, actually, h- here in Sweden, it, the 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 climate and uh, and the winter like sets uh, some limits uh, of especially the swimming and, and swim run training uh, at least for how, how I feel it uh, it's like uh, for me uh, it is uh, the long runs uh, during the winter and the, and, and the spring uh, that is uh, the main focus uh, and then when the summer comes and it's uh, maybe three months Two months to go to the Ötterlö race then it's like yeah, you fit in the swimming and, and running into long swim run sessions yeah so you've made one analysis that you need a lot of uh, long sessions done 
what what's your other uh, takeaways that when you're an- analyzing your training before the world championships also uh, i have like a set a focus uh, before this year's Ötelö that uh, uh, that i wanted to build a much stronger core uh, so I had this uh, goal that uh, that I was going to do strength, uh, core strength every day, uh, but it was quite hard to fit in. And uh, uh, but I have done it more than than previous years. Uh, and I think the core strength you can't underestimate uh, what it, uh, uh, how much you need for a long race like uh, Ötterlö. Yeah. You have something to add there, Andreas? Uh, so my training has been like, I've focused on running, I would say. I have a kind of a built up a base level of swimming now that I just want to maintain basically. So I've been swimming like twice a week or something and that's not much I know. It's, it's too little and I've been upping my game like last few weeks a bit, but uh, I haven't been swimming a lot, a whole lot, which uh, might surprise someone listening to this because you're you're about to swim a race with 10k swimming so maybe maybe should have i should have added a little bit bit more of volume well the background to this is that i don't only do do swimming to improve my swimming i also do a lot of uh, or like three times a week of uh, climbing which is uh, indoor bouldering mostly and that kind of uh, supports my swimming and i also you can see Thomas in front of you or behind you. I have this uh, pull-up bar set up in my office, uh, yeah. room, which uh, <laughs> which I, I I had a session on it last night actually. Yeah. And uh, I do these sessions these sessions maybe once a week or so. So I kind of add in those things too. Yeah. Just a like uh, twenty minute session when I do some strength and uh, yeah. focused on the pull-up bar. Yeah, but actually when you mention your swimming, it's like uh, you're you're like a you're really surprisingly strong in in swimming for not swimming at all yeah, yeah <laughs> almost it's like yeah, yeah but I, but i think yeah, well we have been talking about this uh, before and, and i think yeah, well I, I need to swim maybe twice or more than twice as much as do to keep the, the same pace uh, as you have yeah, but i think the the like uh, climbing and bouldering and uh, stuff like that really builds your actually here we come back to the core strength uh, and the core and endurance uh, that, that that you have mm. so you get it in in your climbing yeah actually i i have in front of me my training logbook which i maintain myself in a in a google drive document and uh, i do this by hand and uh, just to keep track of uh, my training and also like kind of not just having it automatically put in the training log, but like kind of reflecting on it as I add things to the log. So I can see that uh, this column here is, is my swimming, as you might see, Thomas, and it's pretty empty, isn't it? Yeah. In May, I, I had two swim sessions, and then I had uh, 10 days of no swimming, then I had a little session, and then I have a week of no swimming, then I have a like like another gap of uh, four days and then a gap of three days. And then I have some consistency here with like swimming uh, every other day or only two days in between for some time. And then in uh, 
July, I have a gap of like a week without swimming and then 10 more days without swimming. So it's, it's not very, it's not a lot of swimming. I mean, swimmers would just laugh at this. Yeah, and but it, actually, uh, when it comes to uh, Atelier and, and the participant and at least there, and I've, I've heard and also I, I know that the, uh, the swim volume volume really differs. There are some elite teams. I don't I, I don't know if you rem- remember uh, after last year, or the previous before last year, and uh, when we were uh, together with the Finnish uh, team. Temu and Temu. Yeah, Kumikot team Kumikot. I, I think yeah, they they ended that's, six. That's tra- the trans- translation for Kumikot or whatever they called it's uh, rubber man. Yeah, and that's kind of funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. sorry for interrupting. Yeah, you. it's okay. Uh, and and I think uh, well they ended in sixth or, or seventh place somewhere around there, and they were like uh, challenging the elite teams. Uh, and I know what uh, Temet told me, if I remember right. It was like during the winter, he, he didn't swim at all. Uh, he began to swim in during the, the summer. Uh, but maybe he, he is a cross-country skier, so, so maybe he gets the like foundation from there. Uh, they're both called Temus. I don't know who you are referring to, but uh, one of them is, uh, is a former, I would say, elite triathlete yeah, that's or ex-terra triathlete. Yeah, that's him. He's done the world championships and ended up pre- in a pretty good position there. Yeah. Uh, like in the pro field. Yeah. So with that kind of background, maybe you just mean need to maintain it for a couple of weeks and then you're... Yeah, I think so. S- s- you're swimming pretty well. Yeah, there are some elite uh, Swedish teams also where uh, I, I know that they, mm. they, some of them swim really much, but some of them don't swim much at all. And still they have some good pace. I don't think I necessarily fall into that category (laughs) (laughs) elite teams no no. and i don't have an elite background as you know but uh, maybe it's the all the climbing which uh, gives me a a a foundation for my swimming strength to get a bit a bit of talent i think uh i don't know yeah anyways and uh, with the running I've uh, had less volume than uh, before, actually. Coming into the Atle World Championships, I would normally have uh, like 80 to 100k per week, I would say, previous years. Yeah. Like uh, in the voluminous uh, last weeks of the training and everything. Maybe I've done a little less this time. I have done a little less this time. Uh, but I've done... Uh, higher intensity instead yeah at least yeah uh so i've done uh, been focusing on threshold maybe i should have to optimize it i should have had like 20k threshold runs or something something like this i've, I've done shorter threshold threshold yeah. i don't know how you do a 20k threshold that's uh, practically a <laughs> race effort half marathon but you know what i'm talking about like easier threshold on 20k yeah. yeah, maybe you think about this uh, like Nor- Norwegian trust tr- mm, tr- yeah, sessions like, where you're around your marathon pace. Yeah, and, and the can add some more volume in it. Yeah, exactly. The objective of the Norwegian model is uh, not to tire yourself out completely. Yeah. Uh, like sh- having a shorter recovery time, and that's where the two sessions per day thing. Uh, comes from it's uh, it's not an objective in itself it's it's just uh, the objective is to lower the recovery time so that you actually can 
fit in more training, just more more volume uh, yeah. at threshold pace. Yeah. But also, I have been biking quite a lot. So the, the, like biking has taken the taken the place of my easy easy runs. Yeah. So I do kind of easy runs, but on the bike. Yeah. So to speak. Yeah. And the objective here, what do you want to prepare for for Ötle? It's gonna be something like. Uh, it's 65k of running and uh, all in, in packed in, in that is almost 30ks of trails or off trail or yeah. like something which is not gravel or easy asphalt uh, so I have been uh, running a bit in the in the forests uh, and that's uh, i know with you also that's that's the the surface that we prefer yeah it's uh, yeah we really, we really like uh, running on 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 trails and we're quite fast compared to the teams that we are racing with yeah, yeah like if you're uh, like us fighting for a position around position 20 or something in the world championships yeah compared to our peers there uh, we have an advantage in the forest, but we also have a disadvantage on the flat, I would yeah. say. Yeah, that's true. And this is uh, always the conflict. Should you train your strength or your, your weaknesses? Yeah. So I've been trying since I already... I, I can run in the forest. Yeah. Uh, so I've been trying to up my game in the, in the flat running. I don't know how it's going, actually, because uh, I haven't seen the... I felt Pro- the results. You want. I I kind of felt the the progress. Yeah. But then I uh, I did a time trial, and uh, it's not looking uh, it's it's not looking uh, like I'm making any improvements. Yeah. It, it comes to when when you're like thinking and like the, the the logical answer on your on your question is that that you should train your your weaknesses. Uh, but actually, uh, there have been done some uh, uh, research, uh, scientific, scientific re- research on, on, on this uh, question. And uh, the answer isn't that easy, actually. It's like uh, you can see that uh, if you train uh, on your strength, uh, you're responding uh, much better to that sort of training. Mm. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm like a little bit more on, on, on that side, actually, uh, mm. that you should train your trench. And also, it's, it, you tend to like uh, and be more positive about your training if you're training the yeah. things that you like and that you feel strong, strong in. I mean, uh, for me, trail running and road running is, is not, it's not completely different sports. I mean, you're still working on your aerobic ability and so on. So, yeah. Uh, if I can just uh, find joy in my training and train a lot, I would probably in, uh, improve in both of, of these disciplines. Yeah, and especially your like uh, I guess your main focus is <laughs> swim run. Yeah, and and swim run is much a uh, really lot of trail running. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's also the direction that uh, the race courses, at least in the those we have uh, participated in lately. Yeah. This is the direction which uh, the courses are going. They're going to towards uh, more trail running. Yeah, I think so. And uh, kind of um, making it the adventure sport it's supposed to be. Yeah. So it's not going to be a triathlon road run. No. Mm. No. That is something that uh, I think 
the sport it, it makes the sport so unique yeah uh, both the adventure feeling and, and also the the team uh, uh, thing um what do you need to be training you're training you're swimming in the pool I, I know that most swim run athletes are training in the pool. Yeah. They're training a lot in the pool. Like they do ordinary swim sessions and probably a bit more with a with the gear, the paddles and the pool boy. Yeah. Um, but since a lot of them are, have a background in swimming yeah. and those who don't have a background in swimming are influenced by those who have a background in swimming, I think. Yeah. So it becomes... It becomes swim training uh, with the kind of a tilt towards uh, gear swimming. Yeah. Uh, and then running, I mean, it's 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 run training. But then then also we have the combined sport of swim running, which is what we actually do. Yeah. Do you need to train that, Thomas? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I think uh, uh, the specific uh, swim run training is. Uh, really important because uh, when you uh, mix swim and, and running you come to this uh, like third uh, factor uh, in, in swim run I think the, the first and second factor are running and, and swimming but between those those two factors uh, you have this third one and that's, that is the transitions uh, and you train them when you're uh, doing the swim run specific training and the transitions is uh, uh, you can't uh, push uh, enough on, 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 on that subject. Uh, I think uh, with our peers, yeah, they're pretty good uh, at the transition part. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're in the top 50 in uh, world championships, yeah, there's not a lot of F-ups in the transitions. Yeah. I think uh, a, a lot of the teams have this style. And you need to, don't you? Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, if you compare a good transition with a bad transi- transition. Maybe a good transi- trans- transition you can, I don't know, lose uh, maybe two or three seconds uh, with this uh, putting the pool ball be- between your legs and uh, getting the goggles down and, and the paddles on, on, your, on your fingers. Maybe that's five seconds that you lose compared mm. to just uh, jumping in. Mm. If you do a bad transition, uh, well, you can stand there and like fibble with, with the stuff for mm. like 30 seconds. And it's like 25 seconds loss on, on one transition. And if you like uh, calculating that into maybe one case of running or two cases of running, 30 seconds is like a um, light year. To, yeah, yeah. Uh, to... How are you supposed to make up for that yeah. in, in like a 3K run? Yeah. You, you need to, on every K, you need to run 10 seconds faster. Yeah. And when you're at or around threshold, yeah. that's expensive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you can so easily blow up if you're... Yeah, and if you're doing point. that at like every run. Yeah, I don't know how many trans- transitions is, is it in Atelier? Is it uh, 26 islands? Right? Yeah, something around mm. there. So around there. So 50... Yeah, some 50 some transitions. Yeah, 50 times 30 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> yeah, you can do the... But it, it's mouth. easier to get out of the water or then get in. Yeah, yeah. When it comes to gear f- yeah. fiddling, at yeah. least. Yeah. So another factor which you need to be prepared for, which we will talk more about when we go through the course is also cooperation, drafting, pacing, all these kinds of things and race tactics. Yeah. 
And these are very important, especially important in a sport like swim run, which has uh, so much of drafting and tactics in it. Yeah. At least with the front of the field, I know these guys are, it's, uh, it's heavily tactical, the, yeah. what they're doing there. Yeah. Uh, so this is also something to train. I mean, m- mostly you're training by like uh, uh, preparing for uh, what to do in certain the when certain things happen. Uh, so you're not doing a training session to improve your <laughs> pacing or drafting or anything. It's it's just uh, thinking about all uh, all your race tactics before the race. Yeah, I think uh, well you have a point there that, about this. Uh, yeah tactical uh, thing that uh, uh, you are really dependent on, uh, on on the other teams around you on, on the course mm. and if you if you like uh, uh, use their strength uh, you're really dependent on, on, on the other teams you, you can use their, their strengths uh, uh, or maybe you can like fall in, into their weaknesses also mm. yeah like drafting on someone who's uh, swimming all too slow yeah exactly mm. Uh, yeah, and, and also maybe like uh, if you are on a trail uh, section and, and they are quite slow, the teams uh, ahead of you, uh, you can either choose to like pass them or you can choose to uh, stay behind them. Yeah. And and it depends on actually how good swimmers uh, those uh, the, the the other team is, because if if it, if you're close to a swim, then then the decision is that it's better to like stick together with them mm. uh, but if they are like uh, versus swimmers then, then uh, if they are yeah if they don't swim as fast as, as you do then uh, then you should pass them yeah on the trail section let's get back into that uh, as we discuss the course later yeah um, we should also mention that we have been training on the course this year yeah could you talk a bit about that thomas yeah i think uh well we've, we've been racing on the course for uh this is our fourth year and third year together uh, and and maybe you you think that that you know the course after uh after our, our background on on the course but i think uh, you can't uh, stress uh, it, it enough that uh, knowing the course uh, is really going to help you uh, when it's time to race it why do you need to know the course? Yeah. This might be self-explanatory, but why yeah. do you need that? Uh, like the Swedish swimrunners swim are quite uh, famous for knowing the course when it comes to the elite uh, teams. Uh, and, I, and, and, and I've heard that a lot of teams from uh, other countries are a bit, uh, well, like, uh, a bit jealous about uh, the Swedish teams uh, knowing the course so, so, so good. Uh, if you know the course, uh, you can relax more when you're when you're racing. Uh, you don't need to like uh, stress yourself about uh, which way to go or or where you're gonna point uh, when you swim. Or the course to... is pretty well marked, we should say. Yeah, it is. Uh, but uh, also, if it's uh, well marked, that is uh, so- also something that like drains your energy if you're like running and, and looking for all those uh, markers. Uh, uh, every time and, and if you like uh, are a bit more comfortable with the course uh, then you can save more energy yeah, that's it and also if you're getting out of a swim and you know it's gonna be a 4k run let's say yeah it's not gonna be a 500 meter run when you know the distance you know if you're 
if you have time to drop the others in the group yeah or if you should like should stick with the group because yeah. it's soon very soon gonna be another swim so you want to be drafting in the group yeah so these things is, are also very handy yeah it is and you also know how to pace yourself a little better yeah. because you know what to expect and you know how much le- is left of the course and you know I need to pace myself because this is the 20k run yeah and so on yeah and I think uh, all like the energy saving factor comes back to it again it's like yeah, if you have most swim, swimmer, swim runners have written down the uh, course on, on their paddles uh, so they know they, they can actually watch the paddle and know how long the, the next run is going to be. But that's also something that drains your energy. And, and you don't know the like trail section. how it If it's uphill or downhill or if it's uh, hard technical or, or easy. Everything with that drains energy. If you know it uh, before on forehand then yeah, you can relax more. So we're speaking out of a Stockholm perspective here because we live in the Stockholm area. Yeah. So we have easy access to the course, basically. Yeah. Um, what do you do if you're a French team? Yeah, uh, I think, uh, well, if you're a French team uh, say. And, and you have uh, like uh, top um, ambitions, I really think that you should travel to Sweden and like uh, join uh, I think uh, actually Envol uh, has some... Uh, yeah, that's a funny example because we have some uh, French athletes training on the course. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Envol has a uh, course, specific course training. That, that okay, team. let's see. Let's say you're an Australian team. Yeah. Not Adrian Young, yeah. who's living in Sweden. <laughs> yeah, okay. But uh, someone far away, how do you prepare for... How do you uh, learn the course without having physical access to the course. Yeah, uh, I think uh, one good thing to do is to watch the broadcast from mm. previous years, from the Atelier. Uh, it uh, gives uh, a lot of uh, like tips and tricks for you. Uh, maybe you also could like uh, copy the course uh, distances and uh, split it into maybe three different long, long sessions mm. uh, where you do the... Uh, distances and try to like mimic the mm. course actually if you're a bit uh, like ner- nerdy i don't know if it's the right word uh, you can uh, if you have access to strava that that is uh, like my, my favorite uh, app uh, <laughs> where you can see uh, uh, like what the athletes the, their gps tracks Mm. And, and actually you can see the, the tracks and see how they how good they are, how fast they are uh, running. And then you know if, if it's a technical part or, or if it's an easy part. My favorite app is uh, Google Maps. Yeah, so okay, yeah. I, I use that for checking out the course. I know we did that before we had experience of the course ourselves. We checked out the map or before we were really accustomed with, with the course. Now we know it. Yeah. Not by heart, but uh, pretty pretty well. Yeah. But uh, we used to l- study the maps a lot. Yeah. And I think uh, other athletes should do that. That's also for their own sake. Yeah. And also on the Swim and Watch uh, website, I have a course guide which I wrote, which also says something about what kind of terrain uh, it is on the different uh, legs of the race. Yeah, actually, everyone should uh, check check that. Out yeah, I'll put it in uh, the show notes. Yeah. Let's talk about gear. Let's talk about all the gear we use for the race. 
starting with a wetsuit and let's let's be just frank here we haven't tried all the wetsuits but uh and we haven't tried all the gear but uh, we just found our favorites and i'm not saying that they're the best or anything but when it comes down to wetsuits we both used the arc corp yeah which is a good all-round wetsuit uh which is uh probably has enough of uh protection against cold uh, it is a major uh, concern for Attila World Championships because it's a long race and it has really long swims. Like in the the, the longest swim, the first swim is not the problem no. because uh, then you're just starting the race and you're you have f- you're full of energy in your body. You haven't been de- be- depleted or anything yeah. as as it's the first swim. Yeah. But then in the middle of the race, there's a fourteen hundred meter swim and there's a twelve hundred meter swim or something, yeah. and that's when you're gonna feel that you're drained out of energy and you're starting to be a bit colder. I think this is a problem for a lot of athletes and I I know it's a problem for me. Yeah. So I use the Arc Corp and it's uh, I still I'm I'm still a bit cold in it. This year uh, we are expecting it to be a cold year. Yeah, we are. Uh so with working with that um uh, we're going to add a few other things, uh, but first, uh, what, what's your opinion about wets on wetsuits, Thomas? Uh, yeah, I think uh, uh, well, you need to find a, a wetsuit that fits uh, g- good on you. Uh, I have actually had some uh, issues with with my fitting th- this year because uh, when I started to swim in in in, in May, uh, my older Corp suit felt a bit uh, like uh, a little bit too big, maybe. Uh, it uh, it didn't it, like fit it really tight on me. Uh, so then I uh, tried uh, and, and bought uh, uh, one the size smaller that I've been training and, and racing with, and and that suit is uh, actually too tight for me, uh, and and it really like uh, tops my uh, movement uh, mobility. Yeah, uh, mobility actually. Uh, yeah. Uh, and also it gets a bit hard to, to breathe uh, in that one. Uh, so I have gone back to, to the old big one. Uh, so this is an example uh, about how even the same like model in, in two different sizes uh, really could be a good and a bad suit. Yeah, it's hard to buy a wetsuit without trying the sizes actually. Yeah, yeah. And uh, regarding the wetsuit... Uh, we're not sponsored or anything, which also allows us to say that the Arc Corp uh, arms sleeves, yeah. they're no good. No. Actually, they're crap. Yeah. And uh, at least with the older models, I know I don't know if they've improved it by now. But yeah. so expecting this to be a colder year, uh, I've taken the old sleeves from my cutoff from a head suit, um, and I'm gonna use those. Yeah, this as uh, extension sleeves yeah. for my corp actually. Yeah. So I'll have a mix of uh, arc and head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that was a really good suit. Also, I remember the yeah. old ones. The head arrow. Head arrow. Yeah, 
Uh, I think that the arc is much better actually because it's uh, it's a, it has a tighter fit for me and uh, it doesn't uh, let in as much water. It's it's uh, seals very well with the neck and everything yeah. and with the arms. Yeah. Uh, so so the arc uh, protection against cold is uh, not so much based on thick neoprene because it doesn't have a thick neoprene. No. But it's more based on keeping it uh, airtight or watertight. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, other gear, of course you have the mandatory gear, the whistle and the first aid. They left out the map. <laughs> yeah. Nobody uses the map anyway. No. So. But uh, the mandatory gear, I have the first aid in my back pocket in my corp. You never use that if you're not in an emergency um, emergency situation, of course. So it's just stowed away for, yeah. for those kind of situations. And the headwear, I use uh, the headband. Yeah. I think a headband compared to a neoprene cap, the headband does like 70% of the job or something. Yeah. So you don't add a lot of warmth with the cap. I mean, the headband is usually enough. Yeah. Just to get uh, the splashing water uh, away from your forehead. I think that's the main purpose of a headband to get the cold water away from your forehead yeah i i agree mm. it's like uh, those this uh, uh like cold water on on your uh on your front uh face front is uh, really cooling you down so yeah if, so if you have the headband there it, it helps yeah with a headband plus of course the mandatory swim cap yeah you have a lot of protection for your head at least. Yeah, but I think, uh, well, uh, maybe we should discuss when, uh, when we, what, what it likes, when, when we switch to headband and when we only have our, uh, the ordinary cap. Mm. Uh, and I think, uh, well, on a race like Ötelö, uh, I think, uh, well, we haven't used headbands before. But uh, when we're uh, when we're like planning for this year, we, we are we are thinking that it's gonna be maybe two or three degrees cold in the water. Uh, so from maybe 16, 17, that is, is that it has been previous years, it might be as cold as 15, 14. And I think uh, at that temperature, you're gonna need the headband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a headband is not a lot of weight to carry. No. You can just put it in a in a in a pocket if it's uh, like too warm. Yeah. And uh, of course we don't wear the headband when we're running. No. And uh, the reason for this, the fear of a colder season, colder race this year is uh, because although we had a lot of warmth in Sweden, the first part of the summer, like the last two weeks, have not been very warm here. No. Compared to other years, so. No. The water has cooled down and we have received reports about people out at Uta have told us about the water temperature being a little bit colder than previous years. Yeah. And when it comes to paddles, I use the arc blades, which we got like two years ago at the Atelier, like yeah. a prototype giveaway. Yeah. Um, I like those because they're not, they're not heavy. No. And, and they, I know you've been complaining about their flexing or something. Uh, I, I'm comfortable with them, although I am more comfortable with my training paddles, which I've curved myself, Yeah. but they're a bit heavier, so I'm not going to use those in the competition. Yeah. 
Yeah. What about your pedal choices? Uh, yeah, uh, I've been uh, using the Stroke Maker, the the red ones. Mm. These think, are the standard swimmer pedals. Yeah, I think so. I think it's the large size that is uh, red. There yeah. is a larger size, isn't it? Uh, purple. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, I've been testing uh, different pedals. Uh, those uh, larger ones, I have them also. The purple ones, and also the Arc. Uh, blade that uh, the large size that that you use uh, and i think uh, well those paddles are too big for me so i need to like go down in in size and, and use this uh, red stroke makers that is like yeah large it really uh, gets to me in in the end uh, end of the long swims that I, that I feel that i don't have the power to pull with those big ones yeah that might also be the case with me so i'm a kind of borderline here yeah. If I should use a smaller paddle or not, but I've stuck with the the art blade. Yeah. But uh, it's a long race, and eventually you're uh, you're gonna be a bit worn out. Yeah. In the swim. Yeah. At the end. But I think uh, maybe a tip for everyone that, that listens here is that uh, don't use uh, too big paddles. Yeah. Maybe you get tempted to to have them uh, because uh, you're swimming faster with them, but. You get drained and uh, yeah. exhausted on, on a long race like the Atelier. So you should count that you're gonna have the force to use them in the end. And a lot of people actually don't have the force there. And the same about goggles. Don't use too big goggles because it just looks ridiculous. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't look professional. Sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I don't know if you're referring to, to me then, maybe. Yeah, because you use the, the smallest possible goggles you could ever find, which are the Swedish uh, goggles. Yeah, they're, exactly. They're like... They're minimalist. Yeah. They're yeah. they're they're not anything actually. You can't even see them practically yeah. when they're on your head. Yeah, I, I really like them uh, <laughs> because uh, they they are like really hard uh, sealed on on your eyes, so so you don't get water in, in inside. Uh, yeah. I, I used those last year actually uh, for the Atelier race. Yeah. But uh, this time I'll I'll use something like uh, like. Minimal, but not the most minimalist. Yeah. I, I'll just use uh, no ordinary goggles, which swimmers will will be using during training or something. Yeah. Um, is there anything more to say about goggles? Like, if it's a sunny day, you could use the shaded goggles. Ah, kind of said self-explanatory. Yeah, I think uh, I I have these uh, like uh, transparent goggles that mm. are better, like uh, non-colored uh, mm. glass, and I think. Uh, uh, at least my thinking there is that uh, I'm gonna prioritize the the w- w- vision, uh, mm. so so I mm. can see as much as possible. Yeah, uh, and don't please use uh, a new pair of goggles or a less worn pair because you don't want like foggy vision, so you you can't actually see uh, the beach flag, which which is maybe like a thousand meters away. Yeah. Finding your your uh, which way you're swimming when it's a uh, thousand meters away can be hard yeah. if it's like uh, rain or something yeah. or mist. Yeah. So you need the, like a really clear clear vision in your goggles. Yeah, I think you should buy a, a new one for the race. Yeah. Why not? That you I mean, used it. I mean, why not? Yeah. What about the pool boy? Yeah, the bigger the better. 
<laughs> That's <laughs> fast and easy answer. Yeah, actually, I think so. Uh, basically, and you have uh, a limit to how big it's uh, it may be because uh, that's in the rules for the Atela. Yeah. Basically, we have something equivalent to the Arc Keel Plus. Yeah. We, yeah, have, we have mounted uh, two keels. Two keels together. Yeah. Uh, so we have a kind of a copy of the Arc Keel Plus before the Arc Keel Plus was released. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Yeah. And even if you are a great super elite swimmer, if you like look on the races and what kind of pool boys those teams wear, uh, they, they have big pool boys also. Yeah, even though they are elite level swimmers or they have a background in in elite level swimming, yeah. they still they still have the the huge pool boy. Yeah, yeah. And it comes to you. You do save energy when swimming with a with a pool boy, mm. uh, and if you're swimming with a big pool boy, you're, you're saving more energy. You shouldn't actually just go from a small one to the biggest one, because your body needs to. Uh, adapt to to the bigger size, especially the the, the core and, and lower back area. Mm. Uh, I have felt myself when I go from my winter swimming pool boy that is uh, like a small yellow one, the the plastic. Uh, it used to be the elite swimming gear pool boy they had. Mm. Now it's like an ordinary typical swim round pool boy. Well, when I go from that small one to the bigger uh, arc keel plus mounted monster uh, I tend to like get tired in my lower back mm. so you need to be a bit careful there yeah I don't know if you experience the same or maybe your climbing fitness helps you there I think I felt some of the same I always do my training with uh, a smaller pool boy actually yeah I don't use the art keel in the pool no no me neither I think it's a good uh, good thing to because uh, actually you can swim with a big pool boy and not engaging your, your core. You can just uh, be relaxed and, and that is not a good... Uh, uh, it's not a good practice to become a good swimmer. No, exactly. And also it, uh, like uh, uh, your, your stroke in, in the forward area gets uh, mm. bad if you are like uh, sloppy with your core. So basically the last few weeks... Yeah. You want to just get acquainted with a bigger pool boy before the race. Yeah, I think uh, when I when I do begin my specific uh, training with swim run, that is in the end of May, uh, June, uh, beginning in June, uh, I put in my big pool boy. There. Mm. Mm. So I have like two, two to three month training with regular training with a big one. Yeah. Uh, also, you need a big pull boy because uh, you're not uh, kicking with your with your feet when you're like swim run swimming. Mm. Uh, and if you have a small pull boy, your legs tend to like sink down a little bit. And with the shoes on, it's so much uh, uh, drag mm. uh, compared to if you have your feet and lower legs uh, lifted. Mm. Yeah, it, it is a. Uh little bit different when you're training in the pool with a smaller pool boy you tend to um, kick a little bit anyways just to keep the balance yeah yeah that's a little bit different mm. yeah and um, when it comes to shoes uh, this is quite funny because this is like 
the major fashion area for swim runners. <laughs> like for a couple of years, everybody thinks this shoe is the better shoe. Yeah. And then, then the front guys or girls, like they change shoes all yeah. of a sudden yeah. and they start wearing, like now it's the fashion is VJ Sports. Yeah. With the um, iRock shoes has been uh, favored by the elite guys and girls for a couple of years. Yeah. And it's still that uh, that shoe is pretty much the most popular shoe, I would say. The red and black shoe. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've been wearing those and I love them. Yeah. And their advantages, uh, besides being uh, durable, they're also very grippy. Yeah. This Batil rubber, I don't know why everybody doesn't use that. Uh, it's pretty sticky and it's pretty good to run on wet rocks and everything, which is packed into Atela. Yeah. I won't use uh, the iRock, but a similar uh, shoe, which is called Max, also by VJ. Yeah. I think I'll use that one. It has a little bit more cushioning and otherwise it's... Uh, uh, it has the same rubber mix such, such as with uh, the iRock. So I'll pr probably use that one. And I'm also thinking it's a little bit warmer than the iRock. And I'm going to, together with uh, a little warmer socks this year, I try to keep warm during the long swims this way yeah. by using these things. Yeah. What what are your what what's your take on the shoes? Yeah, I think uh, the most important thing is actually the grip. Uh, in in swim run races, you're running so much on uh, like cliffs and uh, wet rocks and uh, yeah, really slippy uh, underneath your 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 feet. Uh, so the grip is uh, like first prior. Of course, of course, you have you're gonna have your shoes to fit your foot also. Funny anecdote here, Daniel Adams Ray, uh, yeah. the, he's a really good swim runner yeah. for Uta. Yeah. Recently, he used some something like Alpha Fly or something. Okay. Yeah, yeah I heard <laughs> completely it. street shoe. Yeah. It does it. I like it. It wears out. They're probably ripe for just throwing away when he's done with yeah. that Uta uh, yeah. that Uta race yeah. because uh, it was so much terrain in that race. But yeah, it was. I don't know the shoe shoe choice there. Yeah, the grip is really important. Uh, I'm going to use the same shoes as uh, you were mentioning, the VJ Max. Uh, and uh, for me, it is uh, the rubber butyl uh, sole. Uh, that is uh, the, the most important factor there. Because uh, in swim run races, the grip is uh, uh, like uh, it should be your first prior. I, I remember actually the year before last year, our last Ötele race. Uh, in the beginning it was uh, a bit slippery, uh, like on the first two islands, and it was a uh, small rain, and uh, I remember everyone was like uh, dancing. <laughs> on, on those around. Yeah, ski, yeah, like skiing, and it looks, it looks like they were skiing or skating on, on, on the rocks. Uh, they had no grip at all. Uh, but then, uh, well, we, we came and we, we just uh, run almost our usual uh, running style and just uh, went past mm. a lot of teams there. And that was thanks to, to the grip in, in the shoes, actually. No sponsor. What about the toe line? Uh, yeah. Uh, Are we using a toe line? 
Yes, we yes, are. Yes, we are. On For the, parts of the race, at yeah, least. Yeah, on the long swims. Yeah. Yeah. And that comes to actually the, the, the drafting thinking. Because in swimming, if you draft, uh, you save energy. Uh, yeah, that's, it is as simple as that. Yeah, because uh, we are uh, pretty much on the same level in swimming. I mean, yeah, we are. S- sometimes you're a bit better and sometimes... I'm... But yeah. uh, we are we are in just a few percentage points away from each other all the time. Yeah. So it's not about that someone needs uh, help or something. No. It, we are equal in swimming. It's just that when you have a tow line... Uh, you're forced to utilize the drafting all the time. Yeah. So you're not accidentally swimming in parallel a meter away from each other. No. Uh, no. You're you're sticking behind your partner, and even though it will feel like you're going slow because you're in the draft. Yeah. And your partner is not. Just relax and take that. Uh, moment of uh, recuperating or getting your strength back, uh, save it for the run or the next when swim when you're when you're in front. Yeah. So you're really making use of efficient drafting here, using the toe line on the longer swims, even though you are equal swimmers. Yeah. If you have the the skills and the, if you stick to the strategy. When uh, drafting without the toe line, maybe you can do that. But I, I can, at least with us, the toe line helps just maintaining that draft. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Uh, and it's like uh, you save so much energy being behind. I, I remember we, we often like evaluate uh, uh, afterwards uh, our like training sessions or uh, and, and, and especially after our, our races. How it, has, how it has been feeling. And something that uh, almost comes back uh, every time is that the one that has been behind in the draft uh, feels that the pace on the swims feels really low and, and slow. Uh, yeah. But yeah. It's, uh, the answer is that uh, you, are, you are in the draft and you're like gaining so much energy from being there. Yeah. yeah. And uh, another thing with gear... We do. I do carry a soft flask with uh, full of gel. Yeah. Because uh, I can't eat like crackers or anything along the race course because I'm in a race. Heart rate is pretty high and uh, the effort is pretty high. I can't be eating solid foods. It it just doesn't work. Maybe I could munch a half a bar or something there. But that's kind of my limit. I, I, I prefer to stick with gels. And I know a lot of other people do too. Yeah. So I, I t- like uh, my nutrition in the Atelier World Championships is mostly gel. Yeah. And I carry my own gel because you're not going to get enough um, carbohydrates yeah. just uh, using that, what's on the tables. You need to pack your own gel. And I pack that in a soft flask which I have inside of my wetsuit in my swimming pants this year, which I have under the wetsuit, and um, I need that. And I have been copying your strategy there. 
I think uh, you did in invented uh, that thing uh, with a soft uh, bottle three years ago, something like that. Uh, and I really, yeah, the idea is uh, really good. Mm. Because uh, if you have your own gel in that bottle, you can like refuel uh, like every 30 minutes or something like that. That is uh, what I, what peop most people uh, are need to uh, refill their energy. Uh, and I think, uh, well, with a soft bottle, you, you have it there. Yeah. You're not like bound to the energy station that are yeah. maybe, maybe once every hour. If you try to go with only the energy station, you will be depleted at some point. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I might be depleted anyway, because it's a long race. It's uh, For me, it's a nine-hour effort. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, good to be able to put in some energy whenever you want to, not when there's availability. So yeah. before uh, a long swim, I'll always take a good chunk from the gel bottle. And that is also something that, uh, well, if you have your own energy, just as you told, told uh, that uh, you can choose uh, when you want to refill. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe if you're behind a team and that uh, goes a little bit slower and you're, like, uh, your choice is to stick with them, that is like a great opportunity to uh, refill yeah, your energy. Yeah, kind of focus on the long-term plan yeah because it, when you're in the middle of the race you don't need to be sprinting no. usually no. i mean just take care of yourself keep uh, on top of the fueling keep on top of the drafting just work with your strategy your your, your kind of race strategy yeah and um when it comes to the, um if this if it's the first time you're doing this event you're gonna feel I'm proceeding on now to the next uh, subject. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ötelö is, is it's a special race. Um, it, it has a certain atmosphere and they kind of uh, build this up with the, that you're all spending the night before the race, you're all spending together. Yeah. And you have a race brief, briefing and everything and it, it um, kind of um, establishes this certain atmosphere which... Uh, is uh, cherish the moment and uh, kind of it's something special that you're taking part of and uh, I, I think that uh, most of the people participating in this um, world championship event uh, feel that it's something special they're they're doing and there's no other race kind of like this one I mean Ironmans are Ironmans and I'm not I'm not saying they're in interchangeable but uh, you know you know what it what it is and it's uh it's uh you have a lot of those don't you but Ötelö is it's special it's a one of a kind race yeah. it's the inaugural race for the whole sport and um, it is special it's the same course every year and it's like a a celebration of the sport or something yeah and um uh, it it's a very complex race it's very complex. It's like uh, you need to know the course, you need to know your pacing, your drafting and everything. It's like the whole event, um, I'm usually describing it as uh, it may take me nine hours, but it doesn't feel like that. It feels like half the time maybe. And I'm always thinking about things. Yeah. What, what do I need to do now? 
what kind of pace do I need to have right now? Do I need to fuel up? Do I need to stick with the guys who are uh, hundred meters in front? Do we need to catch up? Do we need to think about what's the next swim and everything? It's always, it's so packed with action. And um, the, uh, the event is complex, but it's also, you have an advantage uh, having done it before. So the second time around, it's going to be easier, yeah. definitely, when you know what it's all about. It's a complex event. And about the course, it is well marked, so you won't, you won't have any troubles finding your way, probably. It's very rare that someone has these problems with yeah. Atelier races, actually. Let's uh, go through the course a bit. And yeah. um, there's so much to talk about, as I, I may be referring once again to the course guide, but we're going to only... Um, jump into the most important sections and kind of have an overview of the course here. Yeah, it's too much to go go to like dissect every leg, which you might want to do on your own with your team. Yeah, but um, let's start with uh, how it how the whole thing starts. So it's a mass start with everyone in the uh, starting at the same time. At least that it has been. Yeah. Thus far in the history of the uh, of the event, and uh, the start is um, it's a short run, which is paced by a quad bike or something like this, and uh, it's a group run kind of because you you're not allowed to pass the quad bike, yeah, and the quad bike will leave after uh, I don't know how long that run is, but it's uh, it's not even two k. Well, somewhere around there. Uh, yeah. And uh, when the quad bike leaves the group, you're the it's just uh, full speed ahead to get into the water. Yeah. The first swim is 1K, 650 meters. It's, uh, it's very crowded. And that's the only p- part of the race which is really crowded. Yeah, maybe the first run. Oh, the first run and after the first the swim, swim, you're and, right. And, uh, and the second swim. It could be a little bit crowded, but yeah. then it's like spread out. Then it's spread out. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this first swim, obviously, since all the swimmers are in the same place at the same time, you're gonna do drafting, or or you are stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just uh, find someone to draft which has an apt speed for you. Yeah. And you might wanna spot that and have a strategy for that even before the race i mean you know who the able swimmers are and who you're supposed to be drafting at your speed yeah i think if, if you haven't done that uh on beforehand uh, you, you should do it now actually when you listen to uh, mm. this pod this fantastic podcast <laughs> yeah that uh uh, well, it's it's like it's it's a long swim, uh, almost two uh, k, uh, and if you can draft on a team that are a little bit faster than like your uh, racing pace, uh, then uh, yeah, you can save energy and you can also be a little bit faster. Mm. And the adv- advantage uh, of drafting inside a, a massive group, yeah, it's. Even better than just drafting after two swimmers. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah but uh, it's a but here. Uh, I remember uh, the 
two years, three years ago, uh, when we were swimming in that pack, uh, we were like, uh, uh, the line was like... Uh, uh, tangled. Tangled with other teams. And uh, that was a factor that uh, you should also count with and uh, uh, plan for. Yeah. Uh, that uh, it could be a bit messy with, with the line in, in that mm. huge pack. But uh, the thing you can do is don't swim across other teams, like in between, no. you'll get tangled up probably. Yeah. So also be a bit careful yourself not yeah. to tangle somebody. Yeah, yeah. But there are some teams I know that like to swim like solo by themselves also. Uh, I don't know if you have watched the uh, mm. webcast from uh, The Last Atelier. You have the women's team, Fanny and Desiree, and they choose a different path. Compared to all the other. Maybe they chose a more direct path. Uh, yeah. Because uh, usually there is some banana swimming going on there. When they're yeah. people are swimming in an arc. Yeah. And not the direct route. Yeah. I don't think I heard in like an interview before or after. Mm. That they wanted to swim by themselves also. Because mm. they felt that they got interrupted and uh, stressed by this mm. whole pack swim on the first one i definitely prefer drafting yeah yeah each to their own uh, and after the first swim there is some island hopping on very tough terrain yeah i mean it's uh, you're directly thrown into if, if it's your first uh, world championships you're gonna be surprised of the terrain i think because yeah. uh, it's pretty rugged and i think this part is like the most technical running on, on the whole race, maybe. Mm. I think Except so. for Munke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the dreaded. Yeah, but it, it's different. Uh, on, on, on this island, I think it's Vindals uh, mm. the, the first big island yeah. uh, you come to. It's like you're running on, on the wet rocks, like soaked with uh, seagrass and uh, uh, yeah, stuff like that that makes it really, really... Technical hard, and uh, there is some congestion there. But after the second swim, there's no more congestion. I mean, uh, you'll be pretty much on your own, or at least not too much interrupted. Yeah. And uh, then comes into play, I think, uh, uh, the drafting thing. That you want to stick with people on the run to be able to draft together with them on the ladder swims. Yeah. That is, uh, that is hard because usually on the 10k Runmarö run, people are like, they're very excited. They are still, they are still at the, the beginning of the race. They still have, have a lot of power in them. Yeah. And they just want to run fast. Yeah. And that's a hard thing for us for, because we don't want to overextend our capabilities. But on the other hand, we want to swim together with people. Yeah, yeah, that's really hard. And uh, we're like, uh, if, if you take uh, you and me as an example, it's like uh, I, I usually tend to want to stress uh, on, on, the, on the runs in the beginning because it feels that, uh, uh, that we are running so slow. Mm. Uh, but uh, when it comes to the end of the race, uh, uh, we are always slowing down because we're getting tired. Uh, so, like, uh, 
yeah, we shouldn't stress in, in the start. And you're almost, always yelling at me that, oh, take it it's easy. too fast. Yeah, you're running too fast. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm really glad that I compete with you there because, uh, yeah, I think the pacing is really <laughs> important here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, a little metric there. When we were ending up in, uh, it was 20th place overall. Yeah. I think that was the year that we also had the 10th fastest time all over on the islands between Una and Uta, which is the like the really hard terrain at the end of the race. Yeah. So that kind of says something, I think, about how much people are slowing down at the end of the race. Yeah. So we're still right now at Rundmarö, which is runnable 10k. We should take it a little bit easy there, yeah. just to be able to run run at all yeah. at the latter part of the race. Because it's so technical at the, the island hopping there at the end, yeah. that if you don't have power in your legs, you're going to be walking some of it. Yeah, I have uh, actually been analyzing a bit uh, uh, on, on some teams uh, on, on the Ötela race course. Uh, how they pace themselves mm. and it uh, uh, really comes clear that uh, uh, the, the the good teams the top teams uh, they, they usually have almost the same speed on on the beginning islands the big islands running uh, Runmare and Nemde as they have on, on Ona is, uh, is that really true actually? Uh, well yeah almost it's like uh, well you can you can say uh, yeah they are a bit slower on Una compared to Runa. yeah they are they are it's like uh, if I remember right it's like fifteen seconds per k mm. fifteen to twenty seconds around there mm. per k slower uh, yeah that's right so they are slower but the gap is uh, it's much less than yeah. the mid the mid pack will be like a minute slower yeah. Yeah. on Una compared yeah. to Runa yeah. That was the initial yeah. in, initial thought I had. I, I don't know if this is due to the fact that these elite guys are like elite guys. Yeah. Uh, that they're much much more trained for this uh, long distance. Or if it's that uh, they have a better race plan uh, yeah. with, the, with the pacing. Yeah, I think it's the both, both uh, reasons. Mm. Yeah. And... Uh, if we proceed on with the course, in the middle of the race, as we touched some before, uh, we have the pig swim, so-called pig swim. And the name comes from just that it's a, it's a messy swim. Yeah. And uh, it's exposed. It could be cold. It's uh, 1,400 meters long, so it's the second longest swim on the course. Yeah. And uh, it could be choppy... It's it's a tough swim if we don't get like pristine conditions. Yeah. And uh, I'm I want to talk a bit about the, this swim and another swim which is uh, like a K, not as exposed but still a long swim which comes after the pig swim from Schimmendebunsa to Horsholmana, which uh, I kind of pack these together. Yeah. Because. Uh, they're in the middle of the race. You might be cold on these swims, especially at the pig swim. 
And uh, it's very important to draft these swims or swim together with somebody because they are so long. And uh, a lot of people doing this race uh, point the, these swims out as the hardest sections of the course. For me, they are actually because uh, I usually get cold here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the swim is uh, uh, it's quite long. Uh, it's like well, you would do fourteen hundred meters. Uh, yeah, and you're gonna be in into the water for. Uh, well, I don't know the exact math here, but say, let's say around uh, 30 minutes, 25, 30 minutes, maybe 35 minutes. And, uh, well, at least for us, it has been that the, the last uh, third part of that swim, you're, you're feeling the coldness getting in, inside you. Yeah, it's funny because halfway you're like, oh, this is all right. Yeah. And then like yeah. three minutes later, you're like, oh, yeah, it's like I just want this to be over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and, and when you get cold, uh, your running uh, gets really uh, bad. Yeah, I remember being cooled down and not being able to run properly. No. Like, uh, like stumbling like a zombie on the islands or something. Yeah, yeah, you were looking like an old... Uh, <laughs> I am old. 80. Please don't talk about You're it. You're old. Uh. <laughs> okay, I'm not 80. Yeah, senior running on... <laughs> With stiff legs and <laughs> swagging yeah, yeah. <laughs> sideways. And then you, after that, you um, uh, you have a pr- pretty runnable Kumunda run. You have the energy station, you have a sw- short swim, and then starts the race. Yeah. Kind of, because at least with the, the I know the fastest uh, men's teams, uh, they usually are very tactical up until this point. Yeah. And then it's like you have a 20k run on Una. Yeah. And somebody's gonna be dropped. Yeah. And uh, usually this is where the race is decided with the front guys. So they're dropping each other. And uh, after that, it's only a k left of swimming divided up into several swims. So there's not a lot, there's not a huge benefit of drafting anymore because the swims are so short and they're probably not going to swim together because they have been dropping each other on that 20k run. Yeah, actually, and and when you're speaking about the top teams, uh, it's like uh, they have, uh, even if they end on the, like, around the same uh, race time, uh, they still have difference in in their strengths and weaknesses. And... Uh, some of them are stronger swimmers and some of them are stronger runners. Some of them are strong in the terrain and some of them are strong on the flat roads. Mm. Uh, so, uh, well, they have, when they have like 20k, quite easy run on, on Uno beforehand, uh, I think the f- good swimmers, they want to like uh, get uh, like a head start or they want to like uh, uh, let loose of, of the teams uh, that are strong runners before Ona because if they are on Ona at the same time the strong runners is gonna have like an uh, advantage yeah yeah and, and the way I'm thinking you can expand yourself uh, pretty much on the longer swims which which we were talking about like the last uh, kilometer swim uh, from Kumendebunsa to Horsholmana 
Yeah, that's uh, a big pig. swim after the pig swim. Yeah, yeah. and, and it, I, 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 the the way I'm thinking is, it's okay to be exhausted in your shoulders and all your swimming muscles after that swim, because there's only gonna be short swims after that. Yeah, and in between you have a twenty k run, which is during that time. Your muscles are gonna be a bit, a little bit recovering. Yeah. So I think it's okay to be quite spent in your shoulders and stuff. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. And then there's only the island hopping at the end. Yeah. Which is we talked about it before. Yeah, I think uh, you haven't spoken so much about the owner run. We have mentioned it. Yeah. Uh, one uh, in like between. Yeah. But, uh, w- what's it like, Thomas? Yeah, it's uh, it's like. Uh, it's awful actually <laughs> yeah. yeah it is yeah it is yeah it's like yeah uh, your, your body's getting tired your mind your head is getting tired and uh, i don't I, I know we're we as a team are uh, like shit chatting a bit uh, at least in the RTL race in, in the beginning uh, because your pace is supposed to be uh, that slow that you can speak a little bit with each other but when it comes to Una, it's like uh, you, and, you and me get, get uh, well, we don't speak. We just focus. Yeah. So it's a good, it's a sign there that, uh, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. With all the things you've done up, in, up until that point, you've already been racing for, let's say, five hours or something. Yeah, six. Six, six uh, hours. Six, seven hours. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's, it's a hard run. Just because you're so depleted at that point. Yeah. You're trying to make... We are trying to... What's our pace there? It's like... It's it's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think last year we had like four, five, uh, 30 pace. 540 pace. Somewhere mm. around there. And most of it is runnable actually. Yeah. There is some trail but not a lot. But yeah. 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 So it's an, it's an awfully slow pace. Yeah. I'm ashamed of myself, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we, for this year we have our plan ready to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's yeah. see how that goes. Let's go faster. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, Uno is. Uh, yeah, it's a bit boring actually. The the nature and uh, <laughs> at, at least in the beginning, it's like uh, yeah, yeah. Well, not in the beginning. In in the beginning, it is a bit trail section. Uh, really up and down actually so if you go too fast there you're gonna be depleted on the on the uh, middle and, and the end section but I, but I do feel that the end the, the middle section is quite boring it is yeah. quite boring yeah but uh, I have a trick there okay okay let's just, hear it yeah it's gonna be probably gonna be hot and everything yeah and you just wanna come, go back to swimming and the latter part, uh, so the half of this uh, this Una run is uh, first you have like 10k and then you have an energy station and then you have 10 more k. Yeah. And um, the latter 10k, I just think about swimming. Yeah. 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 I want to get back. I, I want to cool down. Yeah. Um, at World Championships, is a lot about temperatures here and there. Yeah. Because you're either too cold or you're too hot. Yeah. And on Una, you will probably too, be too hot. Yeah. And uh, I'm just thinking about, I want to get into the water. I want to get into water. And 
You don't have to dread these swims because they're all short. Yeah, they are. They're just they're just really pleasant. And also another thing to think to look forward to is for me this is my favorite part of the race because it's so darn beautiful. Yeah. Okay, Una paved road, not so exciting, but after that you'll get the reward between Una and Ute on the islets there. Uh, it's it's uh, so beautiful. It's uh, eroded rock has uh, really super friction on it and uh, it looks like it's it has been splashed with water for centuries and it's just beautiful. It's uh, in the out par- outer parts of the Stockholm archipelago and it's uh, been subject to wind and weather th- through thousands of years and it's just beautiful. Yeah. And as you told told the 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 like the rock is uh, really grippy. Yeah. I think it comes to the like the last uh, ice age uh, when the ice was uh, retreating and the, the ice was like carving big uh, mm. yeah. and also it's a mix between different rock types yeah. and uh, the softer rock has eroded while the harder rock is still there yeah um, so it becomes this creepy rock yeah and uh, this uh, part now, of now, the now, now we're talking about the section after Una. yes yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. I skipped forward yeah okay yeah and uh, this is also the section which which has could have the hardest currents. Yeah, there are all short swims, but you have like fifty meters of really hard currents. Yeah, and you're like you're approaching the swim. I remember approaching the swim a a high current year. Yeah, and I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, I mean you could literally. It looks like. The whole ocean is moving from left to right, yeah. and you're supposed to go past that yeah. and not end up somewhere else in the further <laughs> south in the archipelago. Yeah. It just feel you had to like really do some serious sprint swimming there to get past and not get flushed away. Yeah, and also you had to like point forty five degrees uh, left. Yeah, 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 where you were supposed to but go up. Not every year is like this. No. We only had, uh, through our three attempts at this event, we only had one year with really hard currents. Yeah. So it's not always like that. But if it is, you're blessed because it's a lot of fun. And uh, the running here on the small islands there, it's um, it's uh, a lot of single track and uh, some off trail. Yeah. And uh, it's... Uh, it's it's tough running if you're a, if you're a tired asphalt runner you're gonna be walking a lot of this and if you're outside the the top 50 you're definitely gonna be walking a lot of this yeah uh, even the top teams they don't maintain a high pace here because it's just impossible it's uh, so much uh, rugged terrain here yeah I yeah. think yeah, all the pacing parts comes back here again, and uh, if if you are as as you, as you said, if you are tired here, you're gonna lose so much time and and pace if you are if you have paced yourself wrong. Yeah, here. I remember passing teams here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I also remember being passed. Oh, <laughs> uh, that happened too. Yeah, uh, with the uh, funny and this yep. 
one year we passed them. Yeah. But then they trained some more, and the the year after that they passed us. Yeah, and I think they had a little bit better pacing also actually. Yeah, I think. Yeah, they were they, yeah. they were strong there. Yeah, they were good, good, good brains. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, and after that it's just three kilometers which feels like endless gravel <laughs> yeah. on yeah. Ute yeah. and ends with an upward uh, a hill climb. Yeah. But then you're done. Yeah, as you tell, told, it feels really long, this uh, yeah. 3k run. And for us, this is a around nine hour event. Yeah. And But still, every second counts. Yeah. Because we will be finishing like... A minute ahead or a minute back from other teams. Yeah. Even though it's a nine-hour event for us. Yeah. It's that uh, competitive. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be some close calls there. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. So think about this. Have this in mind all of the race. Doesn't mean you have to sprint. But it, it's uh, more, more, more so that it means that you have to do everything efficiently. Yeah. Everything from sipping on your gel bottle to drafting or to running efficiently in the hard terrain. Yeah. Not or, spending too much energy. Yeah, exactly. It's like uh, all, all this thing like at the energy station, if you like stand still and uh, letting the seconds like uh, tick forward, uh, that is always also something that uh, uh, really counts in the end mm. when you're like summarizing everything uh, and also like cabbing down or up your suit mm. if you do it uh, by walking or if you do it uh, uh, like when you're running all those like small things adds up yeah and you might want to try that before just yeah. doing it to, during a race yeah uh, every front-end team has a master's degree in the field of race strategy, basically. Yeah, they have. I mean, they all have thought about these things. Yeah. And if you want to be serious, you need to think about them too. Yeah, uh, that's a great factor. I remember there are lots of like top triathletes or yeah, top uh, swim and run teams that has come to the Ötterlöv race. They have the pace and they have the endurance. Uh, they have the... Uh, fitness for it but they don't have the experience and the master plan mm, yeah. set yeah about your training thomas uh what's your analysis going into the race with your last months of training leading up to the race uh, yeah uh, i think i should begin uh, uh, before the last month uh, i think i should be- begin like uh, after the uh, new year in in january where I like started to build up uh, for the Ötelö. And my main uh, focus uh, was to run around 10k, no, 100k uh, every every week. And uh, swim uh, 10k every week. So that was like uh, my plan. But uh, as uh, often <laughs> when it comes to planning training... Uh, it's like uh, stuff in, in your life, uh, <laughs> fucking it up. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's life, how it is. I have like four four children uh, going to school and preschool. And uh, yeah, yeah, I have uh, three dogs. Uh, so a lot of things in my life tends to uh, disturb my, my training. 
that's uh, that's all fine. I'm I'm I'm, I'm living with it, so it's uh, actually no problem. Uh, but uh, I have uh, been when I like summarize my training. Uh, it's been like uh, maybe seventy case of running every week, and uh, around uh, uh, eight to ten case of, of swimming uh, every week until. Uh, the beginning of the summer because when the summer comes I tend to like uh, uh, change my training because uh, there I go more into swim run specific training before I have been like running and uh, doing ordinary running sessions with uh, long runs uh, interval runs thresholds runs uh, and the, the same with swimming I've been swimming intervals short intervals uh, long intervals uh, swimming with gears, swimming without gears, doing swim drills. Yeah, so uh, you said the last month uh, and the last month then we are in the beginning in the summer. And uh, from there I have been uh, focusing on uh, swim run specific training, running and swimming uh, outside uh, in the area where I live. Uh, it's uh, lots of lakes uh, and lots of trails. Uh, and also some uh, open water, uh, clean open water swimming I've been doing also. And I do do like uh, prioritize the, the, the long swim run sessions, uh, at least uh, one and a half hours and, and more. Because I think uh, building the endurance for, for the Ötterlöa race, uh, you need to be out uh, for at least uh, one and a half hours and even even of course more uh, when you're doing your specific long swim run sessions what is the optimal long run uh, training for world championships well i know some of the top teams i think last year's winners pontus and george uh, they did uh, I don't know, it was like huge sessions. They didn't do so many, but uh, mm. at least, I don't know, three or four. Like four or five hour sessions, maybe. Uh, or even more. Yeah. But that's uh, they're pretty unique in that sense, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. Because they, I think they analyzed and they thought, oh, this is what we need. Yeah, like, uh, yeah and they didn't race so much that year mm, also. Mm. Yeah, because uh, like a four and a half hour race, that that is uh, a long session. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and a lot of teams uh, do the the races as uh, preparations for the atelier. Mm. So, so they have this uh, they have this long run specific swimming session, swim run sessions. Mm. They have it in their pre race races. Uh, well, uh, we don't race uh, really much, but we have raced twice, I think, this summer. Uh, Ute and uh, Amphibimannen. Uh, so there are two long uh, sessions. Uh, and also I have been like trying to at least uh, once every third week or once every month uh, adding in an own long session. Mm. Yeah. I think that was it about my training. I think that was it. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. And for those of you who will take part in this competition, a great good luck to you.